0: Hey guys, welcome to episode 30 of the TLDR podcast. What a wild ride it's been so far. Uh, today, Luke and I have an amazing guest on, Alex Thorpe. Alex is a, is a psych um, who um, deals mainly with youth and adolescence um, and just uh, he's wanting to find out a little bit more about his journey and um, especially leading up to our 4 x 4 by 48 this weekend. Um, We thought it'd be really powerful to kind of have this sort of conversation before uh, getting stuck into that and just bring some more awareness to that this week as well. So um, without further ado, here we go. All right. Hey guys, uh, today we have Alex Thorpe with us uh, on the podcast. We've got Luke, we've got Alex uh, and Luke dog. Luke's dog (laughs) seems to have joined us as well. Um, (laughs) Alex, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Looking forward to it. Uh, for those that um, might be a little bit unaware about um, psych and, and maybe your background and that sort of stuff, obviously um, Luke knows you very well. Um, we've had a couple of conversations um, briefly recently, but maybe give us a bit of a background as to who you are, um, why you've gone down that path and uh, what, what kind of attracted you to, yeah, psych, I guess.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um- well, I started, I started volunteering at Headspace a while back um, as a youth ambassador out there. And then I started working for a not-for-profit called Batir. So I worked for them for, for about three years. Um, and their whole kind of goal is to reduce suicide in Australia through reducing stigma. Um, and then I've been working as a provisional psychologist, which is like a trainee psychologist for the last couple of years. Um, and I'll come into being a registered psych hopefully in the next month or two. So...
0: Um, yeah, I've been working in mental health now for about five or six years. Unreal, man. Um, what, what was like that when you say you went to Headspace? Like, Not everyone's just going, yeah, cool, let me go and work in Headspace. I think <laughs> we've all seen the ads um, for them. And we've obviously got, um, as we kind of spoke about earlier as well, um, there's a lot more awareness around mental health and that sort of stuff. What was it that drew you in there like back then?
1: Yeah, totally. Um, look, it was one of those ones where um, I, I didn't know a ton about kind of mental health or any of that. Um, and I kind of had my first run in, uh, had a bout of mental health in the middle of year 12. Um, and I just didn't know what to expect. I just kind of went in and like, you know, they're like, oh, you're going to see a psych. And I imagined like padded rooms and like people in like lab coats and like, a <laughs> thing. um, and, uh, and then I went in and it was a completely different experience to that. So, um, and then I, you know, the next probably few years I'd had a few friends kind of, um drop down the well and um you know you try and have a chat to them and and talk to them and it helps them out and so so i started thinking kind of you know i felt we need more men in this space and and making a bit more of a comfortable space for people to chat and so i looked into headspace
0: yeah sick one of the things that um i think one of the first things i remember about uh our early conversations was around your approach to health as a general holistic like it's not just about in the gym; it's about you know the mental side of it. It's about the um, nutritional side of it. It's about all of that sort of stuff. So, how did you kind of start from there and then go down and get exploring? You're obviously a very inquisitive individual.
1: Yeah. Oh, look. It again. It's um, it's just through my own experience. Like I, I'd um, I knew nothing going like yeah, when when I first uh, had that experience in year twelve, and then I'd kind of gone through um like I was very lucky and very fortunate to go through quite an elite training path for uh, American football and there they did a lot of um I guess training around the mental side of it visualization uh, you know a lot of those kinds of things um meditation which which surprised me because i would never had much uh, experience with that um and I noticed, you know, I kind of started off being curious about why they do that, and then they kind of talked about their benefits, and they showed some studies around kind of the benefits um, in terms of the physical side of it. So I started to understand that they were a really bit linked. Yeah, we had nutritionists and that kind of thing, and then understanding that that role in it, and I started doing my own research kind of into that side of it, and um, yeah, like into gut health and some of those other things. Yep. So it was just really interesting, kind of how it was all linked together, and um, obviously they all interact um there's a lot of kind of conversation around um causation um and whether or not one calls the other or you know you can have the egg but yeah. it's uh they're all linked and that's the thing that I, that I have a lot of interest in so why not cultivate um good health physical mental spiritual all the rest of it and uh and try and be the best version of yourself
0: 100 percent. i think like one of one of the things that i was definitely um prior to getting on and and thinking about maybe questions that I might have for you would be down that path of like, you know, the, the binge eating culture or like the gut health or the nutrition and how that festers for someone's, you know, mental psyche of like just the sitting on the couch doing absolutely fuck all, not inspiring, not motivating themselves. And they go to the fridge and they get another tub or they get sugar or they get whatever and how that can spiral one down. And as you just alluded to, it's a chicken or an egg scenario. Like what happened? Is it you're not active so therefore like you have bad mental health or you've got uh, so bad nutritional health or vice versa or whatever and have you seen in your obviously brief time in the industry like having that holistic approach is obviously going to be beneficial but how do you layer that into someone that goes oh like i've got this problem that i want to resolve and you're like you can't just go cool what's your diet like like yeah totally
1: oh and look it is it's, it's a tough one because you kind of, you know, for somebody who, um, if you look at depression, right, as, a, as a, an example, yep. so the three big signs of that someone's depressed is you're looking at it's uh hopelessness, worthlessness, and uh helplessness, and they are core beliefs for this person now in this instance, right? Um, so like you know, you think this guy's blue, you're sure this guy's blue, you've seen it with your own eyes, and I come in and go, No, like there is hope you're not worthless and there are options out there to help you. You're like, and so me going, Oh, this guy's red. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, I've seen it. Like, I know it's blue. Like I can't, you know, and so it is hard. You kind of need to go, get in and, and have some good evidence behind what you're saying. You need to have some good logic to what you're saying. Um, Cause people don't just listen. People don't. And if they did, it would be as simple as one session come in, you know, let's get your sleep schedule fixed. Let's get, let's get nutrition going. Um, let's get you up and about and, and and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it is. It's a it's an interesting conversation. You got to go out the right way and kind of dig and get to the bottom of where those feelings are coming from um, to really uh, help them and help those kind of maladaptive or unhealthy thoughts. Um, and then and then go from there. It's like kind of like Inception. If you've ever seen the movie Inception, that <laughs> you
0: get to the bottom. We go it, four like, dreams deep. Yeah, yeah. four <laughs> dreams deep. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
2: How do you uh, go navigating? because someone's mental health is largely how they interface with the rest of the world and then navigating exploring that through something so primitive of language for so many different people. Like how do you go navigating that? Do you have your starting point, which is the same for everyone? Then you just like take a separate path language wise. Does that question make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean,
1: I guess, are you talking about, People's perception of the world essentially is that kind of what you're
2: right, yeah. And then navigating how they perceive the world, right, with their mental health battles for each individual person who would perceive the world completely differently with their own mental health issues. Which you know, maybe the words that they're using to describe what they're going through isn't the same way that someone else, maybe with a very similar experience, is describing it, they're, ex- they're describing it completely differently. Then you have to try and perceive that and then to give them something in return you know, yeah. s- with just simple language, like that must be so hard to navigate.
1: Yeah, no, no, it, it is in a way. Um, it is in a way, but the answer is kind of in the question as well. Um, because for us, like what you're talking about is the lens that people see the world and that shapes a lot of it. Um, we call it schema, like a schema, uh, schema therapy shaping kind of these. essentially the lenses that you have that add up in front of each other to make the picture that you're seeing. Mm. Um, and... As much, and this is, again, it's what colours the sky. It's, it's all based on your, on your perception of it. But, um, you know, if I'm going to meet somebody and have a discussion with them, it doesn't matter what the reality is. It doesn't matter if the sky is blue, if they're seeing it, it's purple, that's where we meet them and that's where we have the conversation. And I think, you know, if walking out to the letterbox to get the, the mail is terrifying for them, I don't sit there and go, you're completely safe doing that. Why are you worried? I sit there and, and, and break it down with them why their reality looks like this and what evidence they have um, to, to base this reality, I guess. So right. in terms of meet, you know, each person, you absolutely, you meet them as an individual. Um, we have the same kind of overall therapies. And that's what, the difference between probably, I'd say, a good psychologist and a bad one. A bad one will come in and give you almost a prescription. Like it's, you know, do this, do this, do this, and you'll feel better. Whereas a really good psychologist builds relationship, gets to know you, gets to know your problems, um, tries to learn a bit about where they're coming from and then and then work from there.
2: Right. Yeah, that answers it perfectly, I think. Just I meeting no, them, does that answer it? Is that Yeah, 100%. But it, It's such a shame that we do use these like so few words. I don't know how many wo- thousands of words we would use, but it's still not as good as... a what it could be if we had Neuralink <laughs> and <laughs> like you can, can literally call. see in someone's brain, straight <laughs> into it, exactly yeah. what you're experiencing. Getting... And uh, don't you think that that would be so much better if we just had telepathy? Like it oh would make God. your job so much easier.
1: I mean, imagine like people's empathy, like you just actually see the world the way someone sees it.
0: That'd be that'd be nuts,
2: right? 100%. But would oh, you, like, uh... that, could,
0: that could go both ways. We could barrel down a tunnel here. That could go both ways, <laughs> That's right? right? So let's go, let's go to like you can see someone's like mental health trauma and like, cool, I can be empathetic to that. Or you could see, um, like I can see how that person viewed that disagreement. Yeah. That, that gives me their perception. I can understand a mm, lot better. That's good. But then let's go, let's go dark. Let's go war. Let's go to Putin. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can see where he's coming from there. Like, or how did you know, I guess you don't have to justify it every
2: time you see it. You
0: could just see their perse- percept. You could see their perspective. Mm.
2: But he would also so like we'll go down the Putin analogy. He would also see how the West sees him. Yes, and what he's trying to do. So it, it would be like middle ground, kind of like what Alex was saying, where as a psych, you're meeting your client at what their beliefs are. Everyone would do that. So there's this like collective empathy that we're all experiencing. And we're kind of back into the middle ground. Like no one's really far left or far right. It's like we're kind of brought back to the middle because everyone sees everyone's perspective. And if they're a good person, they'll try and meet them at that perspective. Does that make sense?
1: I've got, I've got, hang on, but here's the thing, like let's get rid of the New part of this. Would these people, I mean, for me, good people every day are already trying to do that. They're trying to put themselves in other people's shoes. They're trying to consider these things. The people like the, the Putins or the, the Hitlers or, you know, the, the, the Grandiose will think is, are they going to want to try and empathize? And are they going to choose to yeah. look at the West view of them? Or are they going to immediately disregard them? And that's why they're on the path they're on? You know, if do we need Neuralink to, to I know figure that out? <laughs> like that extreme side of, of empathy, right? But yeah, maybe it is. Maybe if you make it really accessible and easy to empathize, then those that struggle with it would access it, like a Putin or somebody.
2: Would You say there are strategies that would kind of give you that power of being more empathetic without having to drill into your spinal cord and, <laughs> and having this neural link thing put in? Like, no, there's none. What are some there's strategies? None. You gotta, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta get are, a neural link. <laughs> would you say you are an empathetic person naturally? Oh, that's a great question. Um.
1: I would say I am, but I would say it depends on a lot of factors, right? Like when I've got time, it takes me time to put myself in someone else's, else's shoes mm. and try to be considerate when I'm rushing, when I'm stressed, those things tend to want, well, you know, it's one of the first things to drop off, unfortunately. Um, mm. Like, you know, those angry, I imagine like myself as that angry businessman in line for a coffee, like furious that, that he has to wait. Like that's, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Naturally, I'd say I am. Um, but if I'm not, then that's a that's a sign that I need to kind of reevaluate and get my balance back in check. What about you, Luki?
2: Um, yeah, I would say when I was younger, especially. And do you want me to like lay down on the couch here so we can go through the full cycle? <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I don't know turn my sound camera off. Like. Yeah, I'm not here. Dom, <laughs> so you don't mind just pausing and just taking taking <laughs> half. It. Uh, when I was younger, definitely. I was like, yeah, I was very my mum's son and my brother was my dad's son and uh and i was like very affectionate and loving and i would vocalize all my feelings about everything and for whatever reason um i'm not like that anymore <laughs> I, uh, really? I don't know if that was like part of growing up if that was like a like a natural in air quotes process for me or my focus changes, changed or, you know, the things that I'm focusing on changes um, trauma. Did, like do, you sure know, do you know where change. it
1: came from? Like, do you think you know what why it changed?
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think so. Okay. Um. Yeah. With mom and dad breaking up and, you know, a, like a period of my life where I was really battling with my own mental health, which I'm fully open about. Like, how am I don't mind talking about it. Right. Um. I think that was like a pretty big turning point for me with how I felt about yeah. how I interface with the world. And potentially who I was, you know, and am as a man in the world, you know, as a young dude, when I was 18, you know, that's all this stuff is happening. Yeah. I think that was like a pretty pivotal moment for me. And it just, uh, yeah, I think it's propelled me down this route of being driven by wanting to be successful and growing myself rather than worrying about what other people not what other people are going through, but less about what other people are going through, and focusing more inwards than outwards. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So there's like there's been a, quite a shift then.
2: Almost. You, yeah. 180 you Do
1: you like the shift? Like you know.
2: I um yeah because it's allowed me to focus on growth, you know, big growth mindset. Whereas before, it, it wasn't so much that it was like how can I make everyone around me really really happy, and uh, maybe not put myself. First,
1: more of like a people pleasing kind of thing,
2: yeah, 100%. Because, because I was more like my mom, who was very much like that, whereas now I'm not as much like that,
1: yeah. Do you think you got the balance
2: right? Um, I don't know, I think it depends who you ask. I think, uh, <laughs> I think if you would to ask, Tom, if um, you got the balance right, oh, <laughs> uh,
0: I'm not here, remember, yeah,
2: <laughs> I think it, it really depends who you ask because, again, like we were talking about this, just the cafe earlier, but maybe you could shed some light on that. Like your three selves.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's what I was, I was kind of thinking that thing Mm -hmm. um, about that in regards to this. Um, Yeah. So it's the, the concept is you've got these three, three versions of yourself. You've got how you view yourself, how you perceive yourself, how others view you, and then how you think others view you. And they're three identical selves. And the truth is you can never show someone exactly who you are or the way you see yourself. It'll never be the same um, outwardly. You can't can't show all of yourself to everyone. It would be impossible. Um, So everyone's always going to have a slightly different view to you. And then you're never going to understand how they see you. And so you create this kind of third persona. um, And that shapes a lot of your behaviour. And it depends on how much it shapes your behaviour depends on exactly what we're talking about, which is that people-pleasing, how much do I do things for others or how much am I myself? And I think it comes down to authenticity and and, and some of those factors. But um, exactly what you were saying just then, you're like, I was like, have you found the balance? And you said, depends on who you ask. Absolutely, depends on who you ask. But it also depends on your view of what that balance is because everyone's going to have a different, you know, it's subjective. There's no right answer.
2: Right. I feel like I go through big, big changes in, I mean, over long periods of time. Like if you look at the last 10 years of my life, let's say my entire duration in the fitness industry when i first came into the industry i was probably still at the tail end of that like really empathetic affectionate you know type person and as i've progressed i guess in my career and gone through different jobs and met more people and i guess in some senses become more successful um i've become less like that i think maybe that's just because now i'm involved with more business related stuff Mm -hmm. you know there's you know i have bigger goals it's not so much about just like helping the you know, my 15 clients or my 20 clients or whatever, it's like, okay, now I'm thinking scalability and I'm thinking like, how do I set myself up over the next five years? Yeah, I'm sure you can do both at the same time, but I think I just go through big waves and big focus changes.
1: Yeah. Okay. I, I guess off the back of that, if you don't mind me pivoting, I think there's a good question in that, right? Which is to help others. Do you guys think that we need to focus on this, Um, like day-to-day focus on my 12 clients or do you think you could instead look at you know we we touched on Elon Musk a bit this morning at breakfast but his view of helping you know the greater good and and, uh, you know large scale of people no matter you know he doesn't mind if he hurts a few smaller people in the process so on that note like you know you're saying you're pursuing your own success a bit more maybe is that with the goal to eventually be able to help those around you is that uh, you know focus on yourself and and I don't know, which one do we think helps more? I guess is is kind of the question I was I was throwing out there.
2: Well, I I put a massive emphasis on the client my interaction with clients. You know, like every hour I see you for an hour a day at the gym. Like you need to see the best version of me, regardless. Yeah. And I think that's how I started maybe becoming less emotional. I think learning how to mask that by putting my all right, I'm at work now, that hat's on. And whatever's going on at home, like I can't deal with that now because I'm here giving you the very best version of me possible for the next 45 to 60 minutes. Right, and I think, right. I think I learned how to really, really effectively sweep shit under the rug. <laughs> 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 to be honest. Yeah, um, that
1: compartmentalization, right? It's like I'm leaving this at home. I'm at work. This is the face I have at work.
2: It's interesting. And I think that's why yeah. it irks me so bad when people can't do that. Yeah. Because I'm like, I've just taken that and I've just run with it. Yeah. You know, like the boxes, it's not just like, you know, there's some transfer across like some compartmentalization. It's like, this is a steel it's cage. Out here. And yeah. nothing it is getting or like- out of this thing. <laughs> um, it's about, it's honestly a battle. And because kind of kind of coming back to your point before about the three selves, uh, well, what would you call that? Like, the three selves?
1: Yeah, the three, three selves, yeah.
2: I, uh, I... Have driven myself insane trying to figure out how people perceive me, and to mm-hmm. so like, I'm I'm genuinely myself 100 percent of the time. I might exaggerate certain aspects of myself. Like I'm probably naturally more of an introvert than anything. But yeah. anyone that meets me at the gym is like, nah, that's an extrovert, like outgoing and confident. And I am confident and a little bit outgoing. But I'm I would I'm a homebody. Like I could easily just sit on the couch and just hang out. Like,
1: I mean, but I, then would you say would you say your yourself? authentically hundred percent of the time if you are chucking that stuff in a steel cage and you are coming to work and putting on a different a different face do you know what i mean
2: sure yeah good question i think if you want to be professional i don't think you can be everything about yourself all the time yeah. otherwise i would be like Unpacking my childhood trauma, <laughs> to the like, you know what I mean. Like, oh, I man, there has to be some that's, balance. That's my right? biggest like,
1: battle. That's my biggest battle is that is that professionalism. And you know, when someone asks you how your day was, and you just need to say good, even though you're having like a fight with the missus. You know, dog's got now X Y Z, um, and you just you know professionalism steps in, and it's it feels like you. are I don't know I struggle with it because for me it feels. Like I'm lying to people and that's, that is the thing I, I hate the most, you know, I hate lies. I hate, you know, dishonesty and manipulation and that side of it. So it feels really difficult. So I, you know, I I guess it's impressive that, that I think, uh, you know, you can switch that on. Um, but it sounds like you have a bit of the same battle as me.
2: Yeah, definitely a switch. And it's either like a light bulb, you know, it's either hundred percent on or hundred percent off. Like I don't have a dimmer. There's no built-in dimmer <laughs> with my with my emotions. Unfortunately, it's just like, all right, work hat's on, and uh, you know. And when I leave there, it's like, you know, now home home hat is on. Like, right, right. But, I, but I'm genuine all the time. You know what you see is what you get. I guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, yeah, for me, I, I fully get that in a, in any service industry. Like, that's that has that is encouraged to be the case, like your front, especially front facing um, staff. It's like, cool. You need to give the best service. You could be a barista. You could be in retail. You could be anything, anything where you face a client. It's like, yeah, compartmentalize, shut away, whatever else is going on, they're paying for a service. So I think there's a lot of that. And I don't think, yeah, I, I get hundred percent where you're coming from <laughs> because that is exactly what the fitness industry is especially when you're in group scenarios i think you can be a little bit less like that in a one-on-one because the rapport you build with clients is slightly different and you still in group like um you build those like really close relationships but in a one-on-one it's like "Hey, you doing they know your family you know they come i've had clients that become you know come to birthdays come to whatever like they've just become a part of your life long term still are still do so um there's those that you can build, but in a group setting, it's like, I'm here to give you an hour of just the best workout you've ever had. Um, and I'm going to beat that tomorrow. And then I'm going to go home and cry myself to sleep because of Nana. Um, but like whatever, <laughs> whatever that is, like you could, you just got to put it away. Um, right. and I think that's potentially, I don't know, we could go down that path of like, should we have to do that? Oh, Because that's a, that's a good one. I
2: Sorry, I'll let the professional talk about this. I love it. <laughs> <that>, um, <laughs> Alex,
0: Alex is now interviewing us. I love this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Flipped it on its head real quick, eh? <laughs> but imagine if
2: you imagine if you went to the cafe every day and you just so happen to catch the barista at a weak moment and they're like upset about their home life, you know, and you see that every day and you're like, oh my god, what is wrong with this person? Like they're so upset all the time, but really that's you're just unlucky. You've just seen them at that low point, you know, maybe a few days in a row, but for the other 23 hours in the day, they're like pretty sweet. It's just that one time that you saw them. Like that's how I see it is your perception of me is based 100% off of this 50 minute block that I see you. Like you don't see me for the other 23 hours and 10 minutes of the day, regardless how good I am, you know, Mm. the next hour, your perception of me is based solely off of this one hour slot. Is this all back to the uh, simulation idea? Oh no. <laughs> Back to the MPC. No, we're not.
1: That's not, that's
0: not,
2: yeah. that's not Do you think that's valid? Do you think that's a valid outlook? Because I really take that seriously.
1: I think you've given it a lot of thought, which is which is awesome. I think um, absolutely it's valid, right? You you you're the thing you're controlling in that is that kind of second second and third version of of self, right? You want to control other people's perception of you through that which i think um i mean you're right like you go to that barista every day and they're really flat and that kind of thing and after you know for a few times you try and get them up up and about and you have a chat you say you know you can tell you're having a tough time and and then you try and be in the bright spot in their day but if it keeps going it keeps going then you go oh, like this is bringing me down now and do i have the energy for this and, and does i want to start my day each day um so i get what you're saying you know you you do you want to give your best your best self to everyone the question is whether or not you can consistently and if you can't then then what like you know is that the end of the world how much pressure do you put on yourself to be that person um and I think that's where you probably look at whether it's healthy or unhealthy is the sacrifice you make and the mental strain it puts on you
0: um in terms of oh go on Tom could that be like in in the very blank term why you have a job like you, we, we need those outlets we need those networks around us so it's like oh well, you know what? I can turn it on so when I do come to my safe place my partner my family my friendship group I can be transparent with them and when they do ask me am I okay you can actually say let's talk it out that's that's where like that communication is a, the foundation to so much health success everything quality communication
1: I think I, that sounds like healthy boundaries right and I yeah. think what you were talking about earlier, where you've got these one-on-one clients who are, you know mm. know your family and know know your friends and yeah. all that, yeah, I think that's where the workplace is going. Though you you kind of the modern workplace is very different to my view, anyway. I was not there, obviously, but like the traditional <laughs> the traditional workplace where you've got um, your work self and then you go home and and have this other version. Yeah. Whereas like these days, everyone it wants a space where you can, you know, be safe to, to talk about the heavier stuff or how you're feeling, like how you're really feeling, as long as it doesn't, you know, um, drastically perfect, affect your performance long term and your output. Like, um, you know, when I worked at Petit, we had, uh, it wasn't sick days, it was uh, well-being days. Mm-hmm. And so if you're having a rough morning and like you really felt like going to work was going to take its toll on you, you just take a day. And there's no doctors, there's no this or that. And it was the best. No one took advantage of it. In fact, people took less sick days because of it. Mm. Because the pressure to be at work was less. Mm. Um, And we got given a wellness fund. So you got, I think, you know, a certain amount of money each year to put towards something that would help your well-being. For some people, it was a pottery wheel. For some people, it was massages throughout the year. For some people, it was, you know, um, someone bought a Nintendo Switch and like, it was just like gaming on like flights on their way to work. Um, And so... We, you know, you feel really supported and all of a sudden our sick days were um, way below the national average. So yeah, I don't know. That that side of it's really interesting. But then we also had, you know, a, probably a more complex workplace because people overshared and well, not overshared, but shared more of themselves you know, yeah. in a more way. So um, probably tighter relationships and had some positives and some negatives. So I guess, you know, there's probably positive and negatives to both that I might not have given it enough thought.
2: Yeah, it's such a tricky thing to navigate. As we were saying, you know, earlier on, like you've got this really basic language that you're trying to communicate and navigate this like really complex thing of, you know, essentially how your brain is working, you know, both positive and negative.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you, I think that's it. You, your language is kind of your limit, isn't it? In terms of how you can, like how much you can communicate is and how well you communicate is probably as much as you can convey to people. So
2: Because some people really can communicate so effectively you know you're a really good communicator it's kind of it's you know part of your job i think so you've you've tried and tested it what do you think makes a good communicator is it how they layer what they're saying it's almost like they're telling stories and they're like really captivating and then you've listened to maybe poor communicators and you're like not sure exactly kind of like how i asked the question earlier You're like i'm not sure exactly <laughs> what you're asking me right now but, you know it's um, so
1: interesting i feel like i'm a shit communicator like i really but the feedback from everyone has always been like you, you know you're really good you know tre- tremendous where our in relationships or in friendships and those kinds of things yeah. but it's again i guess it's you know, now going back to perception stuff um but what makes a good communicator that's your question um oh, look man i don't know Honestly, honestly, I
0: don't think I've got a good answer. Can you help me out, Tom? Maybe like a deeper, like listening and understanding. I think that's good communication comes from not what you say, but how, like how you respond almost. Right you on. don't fully understand what someone's trying to get across. And I fail this maybe more than I succeed because you like, you hear what you want to hear sometimes as opposed to what they're trying to say. Like intent mm-hmm. and... Um, action are two different things so yeah like I think that nah, just understanding what the message is allows you to communicate a lot more effectively
1: or even trying to understand like yeah you, know, yeah. you, don't, you don't have to nail it but just I think your point of listening I think listening is what a good communicator <laughs> does um, we get taught in psych which I, I hate that it's a rehearsed skill and something that's taught um, but it's called reflective paraphrasing And um, the point is, you just say things back to people with like kind of summarizing what they said. And they're like, oh, yeah, like that. And you're like, I just said what you said. But like, (laughs)
0: that's a good sales tactic as
1: well. Pardon? It's very salesy as well. Oh, it's very salesy, but, yeah. it, you know, and it does, it, it makes them, it, it builds connection. That's what builds connection is showing you listen. So repeating, you know, and we, you know, um, with children with uh, autism, we do uh, social skills training. And one of the biggest things we say is um, repeat back part of what someone says um, and refining that's difficult, um, but, but it does, it helps build good relationships. So I'd say listening, I'd say listening makes a good communicator.
2: How has fitness you been important in your own mental health you said that you battled with that through you know through year 12 was that a recommendation from the psych that you saw luckily or was that something that you just fell into
1: i was already doing a ton of um sport at the time like every night of the week i was playing sport i was playing obviously footy at school um and then i yeah played american football um at a club and so it was like you know uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday training game, Saturday, Sunday. Um, and so it was really interesting when I went to the psych, they didn't have many recommendations for me because I was sleeping well. I was eating, I was playing a ton of sport. Um, and that was really interesting. They found that perplexing. I, I, it's so funny when I, I, so I was diagnosed with depression in year 12. Um, and I thought I had the flu and the doctors thought I had the flu. Because I was struggling to get out of bed. Um, I was feeling just like lethargic. I, you know, some cold symptoms were going into winter. And then they were like, just give it two weeks, you'll be fine. Here's some antiviral, you know, see how you go. Two weeks later, I was like, I've still got the flu. This is ridiculous. Like, I don't know how to shake it. I couldn't concentrate at school. I didn't know what was going on. Um, And this is, I guess, probably how low my awareness was of of my emotions and and that side of it. Like, there was some more complex stuff going on at home and that kind of thing. but yeah, when I went to see this, uh, then then the doctor was like, Oh, like, so you've got this other stuff going on at home. I was like, Yeah. And like, you know, does it bother you? And I was like, mm, Probably. I haven't really thought about it. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and so, yeah. So then I went to see the psych, and they're like, Well, you're doing all the things we would essentially encourage people to do. Basically, with depression, there's a thing, you know, sorry, this is kind of a long-winded answer. I'll try and get back to the point. But I'll oh, go, man. <laughs> with depression you do it you do cbt which is called cognitive behavioral therapy it's it's that uh, there's other options like i know therapy but that's the that's the main one cbt so you're changing cognition so the way you think and you're changing uh people's um behaviors as well but with depression you always start with behavior so you start with behavioral activation which is basically getting people up and doing things because it's the best thing you can do um and so sport and fitness like is would be a great first step obviously that's often too big of a first step for a lot of people but it's essentially the the number one thing you should do to combat um depression um and so in terms of what it's been for me I mean yeah I, I then went to see the psych they're like you're already doing all this stuff we don't really know what to do and, and that was the whole thing in itself but um basically I think if you take my sporting out of that time it's a lot a lot darker. Yeah. I think there's probably um, a lot, uh, yeah, probably sink a lot deeper into that hole without the sport. And that's something I found, you know, ongoing. I mean, my mental health's pretty good for the most part, um, but it's because it's a lot of it, a lot of it has to do with staying active and and getting a routine going, and um, a lot of that being being fitness based and uh, whether you know going for a run hitting. Um, the gym or, or whatever else it's something that keeps me up and up and at them
0: what's the <laughs> what would be the, like the research behind that obviously you get endorphins when you exercise i guess like is that like the runner's high classic or like but,
1: uh, yeah so uh, you definitely get the, the release of endorphins which is really positive um has to do with and there's there's lots in it and i probably you know um am not well read enough on this to to give too much mm. um i don't want to you know um, sure. Yeah, talk about things that I don't that I know too much about, but um, there's definitely, it has to do with energy levels as well and your metabolism and a whole number of things yeah. uh, going down that side of it. Um, but there's just, you know, it, its impact on sleep is huge and sleep such a big thing in mental health. Yeah. Um, it's kind of this massive impact soul, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that's where it's, it's such a positive, um, I guess, thing for us.
2: I think that's where I struggle with when I was younger and first starting out in fitness was being empathetic of people that just didn't want to go to the gym. I'm like, I don't understand this. Like, <laughs> The best part of my day I was doing, well, I went from playing footy at a young age all the way through to however old I was 21 or whatever, however old I was. But outside of that, I was going to the gym flat out. And I'm like, it's the best part of my day. It's the thing I look forward to the most. It's like makes everything easier. You what know, did you stuff- enjoy
1: about it though? Like, for, like when I talk to those people, they're like, you go and you suffer. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I can't really—I don't know what to say to that.
2: Like, <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. In some ways, when i worry in the garden, so much about that. <laughs> when I, uh, I've, I've been through phases with that as well. Like when I was younger, it was all about—I didn't really think this at the time—but it was about improving myself. You know, for me, when I was 16, it was looking better. You know, at the beach yeah. or whatever. Like Aesthetics, yeah. All, all my mates were there, and we're all lifting weights, and it was all about who could chest press the X amount, you know, or whatever. However many times, but really it boils down to just improving, I think. And, and that's like a bit of an analogy to my life. I think if I'm not improving, then I'm stagnant and Mm. being stagnant is death. Like that's the worst thing you could do. I think like getting into that daily grind of just like nine to five, doing the same thing, never improving. So I think having that thing that you're constantly improving at, that's what keeps that positive momentum, at least for me. My momentum and my mental health is so closely correlated, like it's insane. Like if I'm, if I'm not progressing, then I'm, um, you know, I fall nice. in the well big time.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. What about you, Tom? I think, how Like you, you know, for what's exos- well, exercise to you in that in that sense? How do you sell it to people who aren't doing it? You know,
0: well for me it's like well my. Background's always been like team sport. So I didn't really hit the gym until much later in life, Um, but I was always around coaching and improvement in a sports sense. So from, I think from the age of 17, I was always coaching people to improve athletically. Um, So that's nearly half my life, which is wild. Um, But like that sort of, like, as soon as I got in the gym, it was to be around more people to improve. Like, and then I've done training by myself, didn't really enjoy it. I will always train in group. Right. Like I, I don't really enjoy the idea of like I've just got to go to the gym today and do this program. It doesn't fill me with great joy. However, I cannot like <laughs> I cannot run with anyone else. I run to be alone, and yeah, that's where yeah. it benefits my mental health. So, like because I like I just enjoy that journey, and it's something that I can improve on. It's something that I'm relatively okay at, so I can see improvements incrementally when it mm. comes to lifting weight or shifting tin or whatever you want to call it, it's like, cool, get me in a group environment, get me around some people. That's my team sport environment where I can feed off others a bit more. Do you feel the
1: same as Luke that, you know, if you're stagnant, you're dying? Like, you know, I, yeah, I, I find it really so. hard because I feel like I am so similar to Luke in that way. And yeah. so the way you're talking about it, oh, oh, it's a social thing. Um, that's why I played sport growing up. And then I actually <clears> did this kind of side of it where it was, um, yeah, like if I, if I stop, I just feel like i'm i'm going going the other way
0: yeah i feel that in the in the sense of education more than anything so more like learning even book smarts career stuff i don't know whatever just learning a new skill even like um the idea of one of the values at um my other company that i work at is grow or die and it sounds very harsh but like if you don't if you actually stop improving it's not that you go backwards it's that, that everyone else is continuing to improve so therefore by association you're less you haven't grown because everyone else has gone ahead so it's like if you only improve your technology to a certain point and then stop technology keeps improving you've just chosen to not grow yeah 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 so grow doesn't necessarily mean income or anything like that i think of it as like knowledge like skills like i love playing golf how can i improve my golf i love reading i love stoicism i love all that sort of stuff how can i improve in just little incremental parts of my life, I get it through that rather than like I really want to hit X amount of weight in the gym. And and that's
1: exactly why I asked you, because I feel yeah. like that's that's the difference, right? are yeah. some people that want to hit the goal physically and be progressive physically, or sometimes it's the mental side of it. I struggle with how much, you know, as a society we stop learning after school. Like it's just it's not part of day-to-day life. Like that yeah. really blows my mind. Because I feel the same as you in the in the mental side of it. I need both going. Yeah. If one drops off, like I just I can be progressing well in the gym but if i'm not active my brain's not active i'm not learning things then my gym drops off as well yeah it's almost like i need both motors running um, to be moving forward and yeah it's it's just it's shocking to me and it's the same with exercise like like what to me i'm I'm so curious as to why these things aren't normalized in society it's after school you Mm -hmm. stop learning and the brain just you know you learn for your job and you specialize and even then a lot of people don't keep on learning they get put in a role they're good at and kind of stagnate i guess um and then physical you know physically obesity you yeah, know, proportion to age goes up, yeah. and, up and up so uh, you know, yeah, i mean
0: i think the, the learning thing is actually like you're never taught how to learn you're just taught yeah so like you always go you never know, like it, it's self being self-taught is so rare so even something as simple as like i work with a lot of people and it's like how do i learn how to do this and I'm just like, fucking Google it. Like, just, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. Like, you've got to learn how to learn. Like, because you're always yeah. being spoon fed stuff. And that's and that's great. Like, I'm not knocking the education system. Absolutely. From six years old, there's no way you're going to learn that much um, intellectually. So, but at some point, like, if you want to improve, people go do their degree. Great. And I was having a catch up with someone recently. And it was like, as you progress through your career, people want to get better at their particular skill set. So as an example, I'll use a fitness analogy. Um, if you're a fitness coach um, you want to be, and, the, and you want to improve or get promoted, promotion means management. It mm. doesn't mean be a better coach. Mm. So you can be a really, really good coach and a really, really good coach, but that still gets you in front of people. But if you want to get promoted, you need to learn how to lead. You need to yeah. learn how to interact with people. You need to learn how to get other people to do a role so that, that fulfills whatever KPIs or X you need to hit. Right. So, so your theory you don't is get taught that
1: it's it's teach them how to fish, essentially.
0: Exactly. yeah? So yeah, yeah I think that you, I think well, I completely agree with the fact that you know from school or from any like even tertiary education age you stop learning, but it's mm-hmm. like because you are always
2: taught, you are never taught how to learn.
1: Yeah, you know, I like that. I like that. I like that. Big time. Interesting.
2: So next week we have got our <laughs> transition segue by forty eight. <laughs> Wait
1: for have this.
2: Have you heard of this before?
1: uh i've heard of it only through david goggins
2: yeah perfect yeah i think he he conceptualized it four miles every four hours for 48 hours Huge. um yeah i'm pretty i get real bad performance anxiety so tom's like <laughs> often he's just like chomping at the Itching, ear as eh? i am yeah I'd, I'd want to get it done pretty soon i reckon <laughs> okay. anyway. but if we had uh if we had given ourselves like eight weeks leading into it um i think but, yeah go you did say you did say should we just do it this weekend like yeah, a day ago, because you're so
0: nervous. It's like, let's just get it done. because sort of yeah, I
2: know like. I know what I'm like. I, I'm so headfirst into everything that I do. Yeah. Like there's no dipping the toes in the water. It's just like, you know, I'm jumping in there. Switch the cold um, water on. Exactly. <laughs> it's so
1: hard not to psych you on this and be like, what are you nervous about? Like, what? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, let's, I mean, feel I'll free. just shoot off again.
0: I'll just, I'll just it again. No, 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 no. Tell us about the run. Uh, Tell us like about down the on the couch. <laughs>
2: um i am i'm a sufferer i'm a toiler. like i'm not i haven't done a lot of running training i'm, I'm definitely fit enough 100 i'm the fittest i've ever been well wow. um but i'm i get into this mindset where, with stuff like this like in and i'm lucky that tom and i are doing it together because i probably won't slip into this as much but i used to really challenge myself a lot with physical stuff like this like i told a story in our last episode or a couple of episodes ago about this um I ran this half marathon, but on an air treadmill, like a, a manual treadmill, manual curved treadmill. And every minute I would jump off and I would do kettlebell swings. And it took me like however long it took, four hours or something, like a ridiculous amount of time. And it like, and it buried me. I was so sick after. And it just, believe it or not, it's not a really healthy thing to do. Like I hadn't really done a lot of running training lead in, leading into this. And I was like, I'm just gonna try and challenge myself. We'll just see what comes of it. Like, and I'd set myself this task of completing this thing. And uh, it was either I was going to complete it or I was going to die. Like there was no, there was no ifs or buts. And, yeah. uh, and I feel kind of the same way. Like I just slip into this mindset of like, you are just going to have to suffer through this thing, regardless how long it takes or how hard it's going to be. And I know it's going to be hard and I know it's going to be long. It's 48 hours. It's 12, six and a half K runs. Like it's two marathons essentially. And I know that I haven't done a lot of running training leading into this. and <laughs> I'm a little bit heavier than I normally would be. <laughs> He's all layered on thick here. <laughs> it all changed from being fitness-based, although I am the fittest I've ever been. I don't have a, I don't have a metric to go off that yes. besides yeah. just how yeah. I feel. But I'm also the strongest I've ever been. Um, but I just go in and I suffer. And I just like <laughs> go into this dark place and I just suffer through this thing. And I just toil away at it. Do you know why? I think it's a form of self-harm, like a really mild form of self-harm. So what I never do you really get, made you get it out bad. of it. Say again,
1: Like what do you get out of it? Is it that you can get out the other side? Or is it
2: bad? Yeah, 100 yeah. percent. It's like, I've done this thing. Now whatever is going to creep up on me in a negative sense, like, doesn't stand a chance because I've like accomplished this thing. See, yeah, I wouldn't
1: say it's self-arm. Then I, I'd say that that side of it, that side you get from it, that I can, your whole point of the suffering is how deep can I go and still come out the other side. That's um, yeah, that's uh, facing adversity and overcoming it. I think that that is actually finding strength in, in, in that sense, but testing maybe how strong you are mentally, mm. kind of pushing the barriers of the limits for yourself. I think that's really cool.
2: I I, don't know. I agree that that's probably. It could be wrong. No, I agree that that's where it's coming from. But I guess maybe I was focusing more so on the feeling of doing the task more than the outcome right. of completing the task, which actually goes to show, for me, anyway, my mental health struggle was all environmental. Yeah. You know, you, you almost, not trick yourself, but you confirm to yourself that this is, I feel this way and that's okay and other people feel this way and you kind of confirm like your own mental health battles to yourself. And then you just spiral down this path.
1: Oh yeah. It's a spiral. Like that's, that's the thing. It's like the same thoughts that land you in it are the ones that perpetuate the same kind of thinking that then leads you down and down and down and down. Well, like even right.
0: that, just your language then. like you're going to go and suffer. It's just like, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to go and have an, I'm going to go and enjoy these runs. Like, I'm going to go and this run. Yeah. The talk. <laughs> that you're saying it's like what if you don't suffer what if right. you like you know what it's actually pretty easy it actually wasn't too bad it's all mentality hey it's like like that's all they're... i'm
2: doing going into it so amazing. Right. maybe suffer. there's some ego attached to that like there's some ego that's like it's cool to suffer like it's cool to hurt or something Ooh. i don't know i haven't actually given this much thought but I, that's what i think you know it's a lot of people out. how they uh, how they perceive me i often get that i'm um i have a pretty big ego <laughs> <laughs> That's not how I see myself interfacing with the world, but some people see that in me, which is really interesting actually. And I think that that's why I've driven myself insane. Like, I can't believe that people perceive me like this. Yeah, like, yeah. Because that is not me. Like, there's no way that I'm oh, eager I, start, Like,
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm the same. I'm the exact same. I'm the exact same. I have like lofty goals. And when I do, or when, and then I don't see them as lofty. And that's probably, I think, where it's where, because I've, I've done the same thing. Like you with that... Um, that half marathon kind of thing you did or, or marathon level thing i was, like i rocked up to run the city to, city to bay three months after an Ericon and with like a week of running under my belt and i was like oh, i'm just gonna run it with with a group and then the second the gun went all i had was like an up and go that morning and that, that was it And i was like i'll run it with a group we'll take it slow and the second the gun went i just took off and i don't know why <laughs> and i was like i'm gonna smash this run and i just i did and i like took off and i couldn't walk for like two days like mm-hmm. literally my feet and my legs and everything's cooked um and there were some pretty serious runs in the group and I, and I flogged them and it was like <laughs> me and this pt like running down the last stretch and i was like looking at him like you know trying yeah. to run past him i couldn't have told you why i did it it's just like i liked i enjoyed the suffering that day mm and yeah i don't know i, I definitely see, you see that kind of that that thing in it and then you like you know you told everyone you were just gonna go for a casual run see how you went and then you you smash it and everyone's like oh you know alex well thorpe is, you know yeah. got tickets on himself or <laughs> and just downplaying a casual kind of like 50 minute whatever it was to okay but it was um you know you, you i think it, it's not about everyone else when it's not about everyone else why I take the ego out of that. Maybe that's why I don't feel like there's ego in it is I'm just trying to be myself, you know, and I'm just trying to compete against myself. And that's, it's not, I want to be better than the person next to me. It's not, I want to be, um, better than everyone else. It's just only be better than myself. Mm. That's the only way I can feel myself. I don't, I don't care about the rest. You know, like I'm never going to be the best if I look at everyone else. But like, for me, it's just being better than yesterday. And then I think for some reason, um, yeah, when you set big goals like that, it gets seen as um, having a big ego potentially.
2: I don't understand that. And, uh, and going down kind of like the goal path, I suppose, getting for some reason, and I'm kind of asking you as a professional. All right, hit me, hit me. I'm ready. <laughs> for some reason, Send this a bill. I, I crave praise, but then I also despise getting praise. <laughs> Why is that? because i've set these massive goals for myself and i know that like what, i can't remember what the phrase is like aim for the stars and you hit the moon or something or like other way around or something like that right 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 yeah
1: yeah aim for the moon you'll land among, land amongst the stars
2: i have i have crazy aspirations for myself i've said this since i've begun in the fitness industry like my aspirations for myself have always been so massive and then when i achieve things you know like getting involved at the gym and you know co owning that and stuff it's like the people around me are really happy for me, but I'm like, I haven't even done anything yet.
1: Yeah. Oh, I know that feeling. Yeah. It's like, you don't stop to celebrate or appreciate it because your eyes on the next thing. It was just a step.
2: Exactly. On the
1: way. Yeah. Oh, oh, why do you do that? That's a, that'll take, that'll take a, a, another podcast. I reckon. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm not expecting um, answers right now, but I think it's important that I, uh, I unload all this information on you. Hit me. Um, I love because you, I also, I've I've worked through things like this by talking about it as well. I think and it's not often. And this is kind of, I don't know if Tom does the same thing, but maybe not. But for me, the whole premise of the podcast myself was to have a space where I could talk about stuff in it in a deep, thorough sense, you know, for an hour a week, you know, a couple of hours a week, sometimes like for me, it's massive, my mental health.
1: I like that. That's good. I mean, it's, everyone should have this space with mates or, um, you know, for those that don't have a space, you know, like journaling, like writing it down, like you need to explore that stuff. And um, the way I describe it to people is that your thoughts are going to keep turning around around your head until they come out your mouth or they come out on a page. That's kind of the release. Yeah. And then you get a chance to look at them, but if they keep turning around, like your head's not a good space to look at it. You need to put it out in a canvas and then, kind of, you can kind of see the bigger picture of it all. You can kind of put it together. Um, and so, yeah, I think I, I think it's really healthy. I think it's an awesome way to do it. I'm the same. I like to talk through stuff um, and you kind of
0: figure it all out. What about you, Tom? Yeah, I'm a bit more stubborn. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to say I, I've definitely tried journaling quite a bit, but I think my communication in the past seven years has massively improved. I definitely was a shit ass communicator. Um, but I think having that ability. I think I started to do everything at once. Then I found that verbally yeah, working through things was way better than through rote. Um, yeah, I found that way. I don't know that I use this platform, but I definitely have other platforms, like have people that I'm like, cool. It's X, it's whatever day, let me reach out to this person. I know that they, they get my scenario in this particular instance. I just need to talk it through. Someone give me some of their their ears.
1: So good you have that. That's awesome.
0: Mm. Mild lady. Mild lady. I think just, good for that.
1: Yeah. I was gonna say, I think blokes like just don't do it enough as well. Like mm. I, I, I often wonder how much healthier a society would be in if if more men could talk about this kind yeah. of stuff, you know? Um and I'm sure we could go on and on about it, but I'm curious about the run. Back to the run. <laughs> you boys have chosen to raise money for are you okay day?
0: Mm. Yep.
1: Why are you okay day? or why are you okay um, as a as a foundation
0: yeah look i think mental health was like at the forefront of um what we were wanting to raise awareness for um, and it was a toss-up between are you okay and another charity and i think just the fact of like like i think we, we've touched on it a few times today like the biggest challenge that i see for this run for me personally is sleep is the um, lack of sleep that I'm going to be getting. I'm a massive sleeper. And in the past two weeks, that's been hindered by some new routines, which is lovely. I'm loving it. Um, But just like the times when I don't sleep, as you said, it comes down to stress or you're thinking about things or something down that path. It's not, you're not at peace. And so, by doing this sort of like cool every four hours, eight pm, midnight, four am, we'll be up. Or we'll, no, we'll be running. So we'll be up before then. We'll run. We won't be able to get straight back to sleep. If anyone's done exercise and go straight to sleep and has hints and tips, please let me know. But it's nigh on impossible. And so correlating that with like cool, what what charity suffers through that um, similarly, or what um, you know mental health, or what what health dilemma I guess and that's where we came to sort of mental health and are you okay and those people that have are you okay sorry those people that have those thoughts to get down that path and go down the well and that sort of stuff um, yeah this is kind of the the lifestyle that they'd be living I guess is waking up just being exhausted all the time putting their body through trauma um, whether it be physical mental whatever um, and then trying to just lead a normal life as well at the same time I think it aligns really well.
1: Yeah, cool. I, I think that's I think that's awesome reasoning. I think that's why you know Luke's view of suffering is is, is not far off. If, if you guys are doing it for that reason, it's yeah. Um, for you, Tom, it, it does sound like suffering. If you uh, if you you
0: know just sleep.
1: sleep, yeah, <laughs> you just sleep that much. I'm the same. Like you don't you don't want to be around me if I haven't had a good sleep. I'm a I'm a grumpy old old man. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but that's interesting. Like, I, I, I love Are You Okay? I think it's such a great concept, speaking of kind of, you know, men talking more of the stuff we we're talking about earlier, but also exactly that, that mental health side of it. Um, I think, tell, and let me know if this surprises you. This is a stat that blew my mind when I started working in mental health, but it was that, the, um, you know, the biggest, the leading cause of death for people aged 12 to 44 in Australia is suicide. Well, so, yeah. Is. yeah if you take a second, to you know, process that you're thinking car crashes, cancer, all these things that are, that are tragic, and, and it's suicide. Um, and you know, I think anything that tries to help that is such a good cause. You know, we have I think it's nine suicides a day. Um, or nine people die by suicide mm-hmm. a day in Australia, um, seven of which are men. Um, so it's like six and a half in, in the stats, but you know, six mm-hmm. and a half, seven, seven of those are men, um, which is which is huge um that's massive yeah and so I think, uh, and, and are you okay Dave? It's, it's one of the best the best kind of conversation starts about that if we go back to right back at the start when i talked about depression and that feeling of kind of hopelessness helplessness um being able to talk to somebody is, is such a a huge step in that and getting away from that and having someone ask if you're okay is, is it's one of the best things that can happen for these people to feel cared about and feel like people Actually, want to know how they're doing? Yeah, and maybe you know it's kind of ironic because are you okay is probably not the way to ask it. Like because you'll get like a yes or no. Like it's very easy to kind of say no. But um, you know I think one of the best ways to do it is just you know if it's a mate who's who's been a bit flat and that kind of thing. It's you know do you want to go beer during lunch and kind of call call out what you're seeing. You know oh you you know you seem like you've been a bit flat lately or um you know you've been getting to everyone lately like what's going on? Mm. Kind of touching base and seeing. In the right space you know you create the environment where you've got time to talk it's not passing by hey man how you going you okay today because are you okay today you know it, it should yeah. be every day yeah that way if we notice our friends struggling we, we create that space to kind of have a chat and touch base
2: awesome yeah. man i think that's um it's so important to have that environment around you and and it starts with you whoever's listening you can uh you can foster that environment i think you know i think that because you are a product of your environment if five people are asking you every day how are you actually going and mm. then you're more likely to ask the next five people and someone like that and, and you just create this environment i think that's uh, i think that's massive
0: yeah it's a really good uh roundup for this awesome chat opi thanks for um coming on i will just make comment that <clears throat> we'll put um some comments down below in the notes guys and some, some phone call some phone numbers to call if you f- feel like you might not have anyone to talk to as well so um there's always someone that wants to listen um obviously we've got our run coming up this weekend as well so just to raise awareness for that if you wanting to donate towards are you okay we'll put the link for that um uh, down there as well but
1: that's it get around get around the boys on our run for the for those listening and um yeah lifeline it's uh 13 11 14 if anyone is struggling or needs uh needs some crisis support um they're, they're your best stop to give them a call Unreal. Thanks again, Alex. No worries, guys.
2: Thank you, man.